Welcome to Brio's Peace in a Pod. My name is Indigo Trighauger, and I'm a communicator at the Peace Research Institute, Oslo. My job here is to help researchers convey their work. Usually that means talking to the media, politicians, other stakeholders, and colleagues. With this podcast, that means talking to you. The Nobel Peace Prize for 2021 has been awarded to Maria Ressa and Dmitry Muratov, highlighting their efforts to safeguard freedom of expression. Maria Ressa is a Filipino-American journalist who's revealed abuses of power, violence, and authoritarianism in the Philippines. She's also a co-founder, CEO, and executive editor of Rappler, an online news website in the Philippines that has focused critical attention on the Duterte regime's murderous anti-drug campaign. She's one of the 25 leading figures on the Information and Democracy Commission launched by Reporters Without Borders, which was also co-founded by Prio, and included in Times Person of the Year 2018 as one of the journalists fighting against fake news. Dmitry Muratov is editor-in-chief of Novaya Gazeta, the most independent Russian newspaper. Novaya Gazeta has published critical articles on Russia's domestic issues under challenging conditions. The newspaper has received harsh responses from opponents, and six of its journalists have been killed since its establishment. Dmitry Muratov and Novaya Gazeta were on Prio director Christian berg 2015 Nobel Peace Prize shortlist. In the announcement, these individuals' contribution to defending and exercising free, independent, and fact-based journalism, as well as the freedoms of expression and information, was highlighted, as these are critical for democracy and peace. Prio director Henrik Erdahl has listed media organizations or journalists on each of his Nobel Peace Prize shortlists over the last five years. He says, quote, This is a prize for journalists that have been extremely critical of their governments, and the prize recognizes the enormous personal costs that these journalists have endured as a result of their profession. To comment on the prize today, we're hearing from two PRIO researchers. Maria Gabrielson Jambert is a research director and senior researcher at PRIO. She's worked on PRIO projects and in groups related to media, democracy, and conflict, and has published articles on media and conflict. Pavel Baev is a research professor. His work focuses on Russian military reform, Russian energy interests, and Russia's relationship with Europe and NATO. Welcome back to the podcast, Maria. You were on last week talking about Henrik's shortlist, and he had highlighted Reporters Without Borders. He's highlighted media and journalism on all of his shortlists over the last five years. And the winners today were indeed in that category. It was not specifically Reporters Without Borders. It was Maria Ressa and Dmitry Muratov, um, but very much still on topic. And so we wanted to have you back to discuss your reaction and, and your thoughts. So I guess I'll just start with yeah, what were you feeling when you first heard the news today? Well, thanks, Indigo. I um, the, it was quite exciting to see the, this prize given to these two very brave journalists. Uh, also, because I think the prize is both very symbolic and it also honors the work of these individuals and the organizations they have been working with. So I think it's a, it's a prize that will really put forward their important work. Uh, Muratov for his work with Novaya Gazeta in Russia, which we know quite well, I think. Uh, and they have already stated that the, this prize will be in honor of their colleagues who have been killed uh, during their work. Um, and Maria Ressa uh, is a, a Filipino journalist uh, who has uh, been standing out for her uh, braveness and, sta- and creating her own, um, the first Filipino investigative journalism um, uh, news agency. And, uh, and, I, and I think that this prize will really honor their work, shed light on the difficult conditions under which they work. But I think it's also a prize that journalists across the world will feel moved by and, and, um, 
encouraged by, and especially journalists working under difficult conditions in either conflicts or in authoritarian regimes. And is it correct that you actually also have worked as a journalist in your career? I worked very briefly as a as a uh, I was writing for uh, a Norwegian weekly Morgenbladet when I was studying in Paris. Wow! So I was out trying to cover some of the uh, the youth unrest in the French suburbs and and interviewing uh, people in that context, for instance. So this is also a special prize, perhaps, for you, based on your experience, and also, of course, your your academic work on yeah. media. Yes, ex- extrapolating, if I can say from that, I think it's a prize that uh, we as uh, peace researchers also feel sort of uh, close to home, that the importance of uh, tr- truthful, fact-based reporting, and also the possibility to do this uh, without fearing for your own life. Uh, that is something that, that I think we as, uh, even if we're not necessarily um, working uh, or putting ourselves at risk at, in the same way as many journalists do, I think it's, uh, it's something that we feel is both crucial and important and is also close to the, the work that we do. So it's interesting that the two countries that these specific individuals come from are not, although they are known for having uh, authoritarian leaders, they're not in uh, erupting in violent conflict the way that other countries currently are, which also could have perhaps been highlighted, for example, Afghanistan. Um, And so I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that specific choice as well of of the the nationality and kind of the nation perspective Mm -hmm. and what the effect could be in terms of ripple effects on other countries. Yes, it's a good question. I think that the situation of the freedom of the press in Russia is quite well known, perhaps precisely because there are some um, individual journalists who have been killed uh, and who have been threatened very specifically. So we we know about the situation there. The Philippines might be less known, um, but but we we also know that the um, uh, authoritarian regime of the President Duterte has been um, um, very uh, repressive. Um, And so I think that this will also contribute to shed more light on the situation there. Um, There could be other countries selected. You mentioned Afghanistan and their... Uh, the takeover of the Taliban has, of course, uh, raised concerns about the possibility of, of uh, Afghan journalists to continue their work. Um, there's also the situation in Turkey, uh, where the ability of journalists to report freely has also been severely restricted over the last couple of years. Um, and there could be other uh, conflict situations. One may say that um yeah that that could be uh that the situation in russia and uh in the philippines are not overt conflicts but i think it's it's uh this is more about um um highlighting the important work of of these individual journalists in difficult conditions they are working in and and uh by extension to to also shed light on on the importance of free press and the freedom to report uh, for any other country where, where that is being put under pressure. And uh, a colleague of ours, Marta Nilsson, um, who researches Myanmar uh, and the situation there and has been on the podcast recently um, talking about the coup, she pointed out to me that more than 50 journalists um, have been detained in Myanmar since the coup started this year um, in, in February. And I think that's also very interesting because it kind of points out as well the 
the role of journalists in a situation like that and the fear that regimes feel um, in the face of journalism and reporting. Uh, so I think it's uh, it, it was a very interesting point. And she also linked to the um, Reporters Without Borders violations of press freedom barometer, mm. which is a very helpful ranking of, mm. of countries and where they mm. stand. Mm. Um, Beirut Reis Andersen said that journalism is the best defense a society can put up against war and conflict. This was when she was answering mm. questions after, after the initial statement. I think that's a very, very strong statement to make. Um, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think she really means by that? Well, I agree. It's a very strong statement and it's uh, hearing it. We could all, almost wonder uh, how come there's been so few media prices before this one. Um, but I think we, we, we understand what's, what is meant with those words in the sense that, um, that even if uh, a, a free reporting journalist isn't the one who is going to solve the conflict, which also Barrett uh, Rice Anderson pointed to, but we also know that as long as journalists are continuing to covering uh, events as they unfold, uh, then uh, authoritarian leaders, the military, the police will uh, be um, uh, will not be able to <laughs> continue their violations unseen, uh, and uh, and they will be put under the spotlight, and that will. Um, raise awareness among uh, citizens in the country itself, uh, beyond the country, and that I think are the key elements to to resisting against authoritarian regimes, um, um, violence by the police, for instance, which many of these journalists have been covering uh, very closely, uh, and and by shedding light on these violations, they also uh, contribute to to. Um, yes, citizens uh, asking questions and resisting this. And that's also why these same authoritarian regimes are are fearing these journalists and that they are trying to to precisely control their their ability to report and, and why we see many journalists being imprisoned across the world. So in closing, and I kind of asked you this last week as well, but now, of course, it's become much more immediate. Um, what kind of effect do you think this prize will have around the world, really, not only in Russia and the Philippines, although that's very important as well, but around the world, what will this mean for journalists? I think it will be, I think this will be seen as an important signal of the importance of the work that they are doing, even if they are not the ones who are sitting around the, the mediator's table to resolve conflicts as such, but their work in shedding light on, on what is happening is important. And I think there is also a strong um, solidarity among journalists uh, as a profession, uh, and that journalists uh, exercising their um, profession in, in this peaceful societies such as Norway and journalists exercising their profession under much more difficult conditions have a strong sort of solidarity be between them. So I think this prize will sort of also honor their profession and their the importance of their work and, and will embolden many to continue the, importance, uh, the important work they are doing. Thank you so much, Maria. And um, yeah, congratulations to all the journalists that are being recognized with this prize. Absolutely. Congratulations. Welcome to the podcast, Pavel. It's been a while since we last spoke um, about your areas of expertise and 
Russia and the, the media and freedom of press there. These are all very exciting topics today on the day of the Nobel Peace Prize being awarded to Maria Ressa and Dmitry Muratov. And I think for you, this is a special prize because you wrote a blog post uh, all the way back in 2014 when you uh, said that you thought Novaya Gazeta deserved the, the Nobel Peace Prize. So it was very prescient of you. Um, what was it like hearing the news today? What was your reaction? I was elated. I, I honestly never expected that. I thought that Nobel Committee would find a more neutral ground for, for prize this year. And there are indeed a lot of deserving candidates uh, in the struggle against pandemic, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, climate. You know, there are so many teams where where prize would be uncontroversial. And this one is a very brave move comparable to the 75 when Alexander Solzhenitsyn received the Peace Prize. So I think Nobel Committee decided really to take a stance for free media, which is under attack in so many uh, countries, uh, which is such an important institution for upholding democratic values, uh, not only in Russia and not only in the Philippines, in the United States, in so many places in Europe, uh, all around the world. And I think Novaya Gazeta in particular is a flagship of Russian free media. It was established back in mid-90s by Dmitry Muratov. And since then, it really keeps struggling uh, for the same principles, keeps standing on the ground, which is increasingly more difficult. It is not labeled, fortunately, as, an, as a foreign agent, but so many free media outlets are. And Novaya Gazeta stands for all of them. What is the situation like in Russia for the media in general? It is um, a very increasingly difficult situation. And what was kind of difficult a year ago is becoming dangerous now. Because now being labeled as a foreign agent is not just, uh, how to say, a stamp. It's not just um, a mark on your, on, your, on your head. It really invites a lot of personal trouble. Uh, and so many media outlets that I was working with, that I was relying upon as my reference sources, have been shut down, have had to close for, for, for various reasons. Uh, the media landscape is becoming really very poor, uh, despite the flourishing of many uh, internet-based uh, um, outlets despite the kind of courageous effort of investigative journalists who are able to find new ways to publish their, their results. Nevertheless, the kind of media is such. And Novaya Gazeta, I think, is interesting that it started as a very traditional newspaper. Uh, and Dmitry Muratov was there at the, at the very beginning. But they are very good at uh, opening new channels, at reinventing themselves again and again, at doing podcasts as we do. What kind of people read or yeah listen to Novaya Gazeta in Russia? Is it considered something that's very radical, or um, is it something that uh, ordinary kind of middle of the road politically uh, people would also interact with? No, it's not radical at all. In many ways, it really stands for. Uh, matters which are close to many different hearts, so to say. Uh, they uh, investigate torture in prisons and they investigate the uh, appalling situation with stray dogs and dog shelters. Uh, 
you know, they go into the uh, problems related to how difficult it is in Russia to live with disabilities. They go into violations of human rights in Chechnya. They go into many international matters as well. They have pretty decent international uh, coverage. So they are pretty wide in their scope. It's not one single issue uh, media. And whatever they touch, they really try to avoid um, radicalism. Uh, they really try to avoid kind of actionism, so to say. It's much more about pro- providing real news, of showing real picture, of struggling against all f- f- falsity and falsifications than it is about, so to say, uh, appeal to action. That is that's really interesting, and um, and that kind of brings me to my next question, which is: What effect could this prize have on Novaya Gazeta's activities and Dmitry uh, Muratov's life, but also on press freedom in Russia? For Novaya Gazeta, I think it is very important because it gives them a new sort of boost of energy. It also helps them to uh, shelter against very very probable uh, labeling as foreign agent. Because, you know, that is a bit of a pro- extra protection and also encouragement of doing your, uh, your work uh, even better. So I think, uh, and Muratov personally immediately says that he will give a part of his price to that uh, course or to this course. I think uh, what he immediately mentioned was the uh, a charity which helps children with, with, with disabilities, one of the causes Nova Gazeta supports. And again, quite uncontroversial, but an area where uh, everybody expects the state to be the main uh, party, to be much more uh, much more active in uh, doing all this work. It's, in many ways, it's very traditional uh, psychology that the state should take care of of the people, uh, but it doesn't, and so it really falls to individuals to campaigning in the media for uh, supporting all the all, all these courses. And I think Nova Gazeta will gain extra ground here and will try to uh, demonstrate that situation in in many areas where people need uh, support and help. Uh, is not as good as it uh, as it needs to be. But as for free media, that is uh, that is a more difficult question, because v- typically you expect uh, the Russian regime, Putin's regime, to go uh, into it's very revengeful to go into offensive, maybe not targeting Nova Gazeta specifically now that it is so called protected, but again. Uh, they are tightening the control over the internet. Not very, not 100%. It's not Chinese internet in, in Russia. But they are very uh, targeting a lot of, specifically, a lot of uh, outlets, a lot of, a lot of people. And I think that might uh, intensify. That might, it has increased already this year as the, uh, parliamentary campaign was unfolding and every critical voice uh, was pressed down. Um, But I think we might expect that the Kremlin will take that very sour 
uh, that the authorities will try to say, all right, Novaya Gazeta and maybe Echo Moskvy uh, may remain as they are, but everybody else should take care. Because six journalists from Novaya Gazeta have been killed. I immediately wondered, is Dmitry Muratov now in more danger or less danger as a result of this prize? Because clearly being a journalist in Russia in this kind of context is life-threatening. It is. And the first murder happened back in the year 1990, for that matter. So it has been dangerous for quite a long time. And it is more, uh, more dangerous now. But I think that such kind of direct action as uh, assassination of journalists in Nova Gazeta now becomes a cause which is a bit too hot to touch for the authorities. So there is a bit of a, um, uh, I, I hope, um, extra encouragement for journalists to go, for, from Nova Gazeta, to go into uh, investigating things they uh, are often taking risks uh, doing. It, it, it is an incredibly brave uh, team in the Nova Gazeta, and they push very strongly for remembering the names of those who, uh, who were killed including Anna Politkovska, 15 years, it was yesterday, two days ago, um, that they marked the, uh, the anniversary. Uh, so um, I think that um, I think that Novaya Gazeta uh, would gain a new energy from that and would become even more uh, uh, well-known um, among the Russian public, where overload of information is happening, uh, much like everywhere else, where kind of social uh, networks um, are spreading and traditional media are incre incre increasingly a niche uh, outlet. But I think this would you know, give the brand Nova Gazeta uh, extra value and extra credibility. The Kremlin uh, congratulated Dmitry Muratov on, uh, quote, his commitment to his ideals, which was very interesting. This this was in their immediate statement, right from from the press secretary Putin. What do they mean by this? What do you think we can read between the lines here? Well, they certainly cannot ignore, uh, and uh, condemning that would be really um, a bad taste. So, so uh, that congratulation is kind of dubious at best. They praise his courage and his devotion to his ideals, which essentially means that it does take a lot of courage to stand for ideals like uh, democratic freedoms and uh, human rights uh, in, in present-day Russia. So there is a bit of a hint uh, in that congratulation, and uh, so I wasn't really uh, surprised with that, with that tone. And so in closing, um, I just wanted to ask you really briefly, what kind of effect might this have on the relationship between Norway and Russia? I mean, Norway and Russia share a border. A lot of people don't realize this geographically, but they do. And um, there are a lot of connections between Norway and Russia historically. Politically, I imagine that this could become complicated. Have you had any thoughts on that? It will be not as complicated as with China. Yes. And again, 
No official congratulation to from Kremlin, dubious as it is, means that there will be no direct response uh, uh, against Norway. But I think uh, that the authorities in Russia would try to find a way to uh, demonstrate and to show and to kind of their displeasure with that and to find a way to score, settle a score with Norway and kind of to press something here and press something there. And um, it's hard to say how exactly that might happen, but my worry is always about Svalbard, about Spitsbergen, a point on which Russia loves to press. Uh, it is a very particular case. It is a unique in many ways status of this archipelago, which is a Norwegian sovereign territory, but has a special status, is demilitarized, is open for settled uh, from other states. And Russia has already expressed several times its uh, ability to put a finger on that uh, vulnerability for, uh, for Norway in many ways. And I think they might try it again. Very interesting. Well, thank you so much, Pavel, for all of your expertise and for talking with me today. And um... I'm, I'm very happy that this is a prize that um, is, like you said, you waited for a long time and you never thought would come. And, and so it's been, it's been very welcome. It is a great day. I'm glad to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for picking Prio's Peace in a Pod. This podcast is a production of the Peace Research Institute Oslo, Prio, located in Norway. For more information, visit prio.org. Editing, recording, and hosting by me, Indigo Trickhauger. Special help this week on research, writing, and editing by Fuka Iwase. Music by Martin Redemont.